Welcome to the NLCC Lancaster Podcast. We hope and pray the following message blesses your life. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit us at nlcclancaster.com. Psalm 107, familiar portion of scripture, start in verse 24. These see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heavens, they go down again to the depths, and their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad because they be quiet, and he bringeth them unto their desired haven. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Why would they be praising the Lord? Well, if you back up a couple of verses before, the psalmist is speaking of sacrifices of thanksgiving, which is where we are this weekend. He speaks to those going down in the sea doing great works. I believe we ought to give thanks unto the Lord for all that he's already done, believing that he's going to do it again. The psalmist paints a picture here of the highs and the lows. I mean, that's what waves are all about. They never stop. They just keep coming. You think, oh, we got through this situation. It's going to be all right now. Be careful because the waves never stop. They just keep coming. That's the way life is. We think we've attained. We think we've achieved. We've arrived. No, let me tell you, friend, there's another wave that will come because that's what life is. But we serve a God that will help us surf the waves and make it through. Mark Lowry, the Christian comedian, said, and I think it's probably apropos, he said, aren't you glad they didn't have Prozac back in the Bible days? If they'd had Prozac back in the Bible days, David would have never written the Psalms. We'd say, oh, King David, yeah. Hmm. No, no, no. I'm glad when I read the Psalms that King David had a few problems along the way. I'm glad he bumped up against a few things because it gives me hope that if he can make it through and he rides the waves and he's in the valley, that God will help me likewise. Anybody else in here need a little encouragement to know God's going to help you on the mountain? God's going to walk with you through the valley? You just have to face into the wind. That's what we were talking about here in the scripture, facing into the wind. These, these were on a small boat. If you've ever seen the Jesus boat, it's only about 15 feet long. It's no wonder they were upset at the waves and the wind because all of them were in this small boat. It's a powerful thing when you face that kind of wind in a small vessel. Wind is powerful. I was at the college one day teaching and I finished my class. I got back in my car to head back to the church. And as I was about to back out of the, the space, I saw something moving to my right. I looked and there was a large praying mantis on my window and he was just staring at me. And uh, I'm a little crazy. I just started talking to him. It's like, dude, what are you doing? You're sitting there looking at me like lunch. I mean, he was just staring. And so I said, we'll fix this. And I said, dude, you got your chance. Now you can fly now or I'm going to brush you off. So I put it in reverse and backed out and I took off. 
And I got up to about 15 miles an hour and I looked over. <laughs> Nothing. It's all right. I'm out of the parking lot now. I'm out here on Carson Avenue and I'm going to get up to about 35. Dude, you have your chance. I get up to 35. I hit Keystone Avenue and I'm headed for the interstate. And I'm saying, last chance, dude. When that light turned green, I dropped the hammer. I hit the entrance ramp, whew, right up to 70 miles an hour. I'm flying down the interstate. I look over and this is what I see. I see movement. I thought, you had your chance. You had your chance. I look over and he's just staring at me, but he's doing this. That dude was looking at me. He said, look, I'm lean, I'm green, and I'm mean machine. Don't mess with me. I'm built for this. I'm aerodynamic. You can't shake me. And that dude rode all the way to the church just looking at me like, let's go. How fast can you go? We pulled into the parking space. I looked over at him. He straightened right back up and said, nice try, and flew away. Let me just tell you, I'm here to tell somebody today what you need to do. Take a lesson from the praying mantis. You need to look at your situation and say, look, I'm mean, I'm lean, and I've got a Holy Ghost machine behind me, and I'm built for this. So what you need to do is face into the wind and say, I don't care how fast you go. I don't care what you bring against me. I'm built for this. I'm going to face into the wind and conquer this thing. I read the story and I, and I was thinking about this. How, how does this work? I mean, I was raised in Texas and, you know, my folks had a little bitty cabin on a, on a lake there. Uh, and so we would go down to Cedar Creek Lake and had this little cabin and we would ride around on the lake. The lake was 26 miles long and six or seven miles wide. And that was just a lake. Well, we were fortunate enough to go to Israel several years ago and, and, uh, we were on the Sea of Galilee in a boat. And the first, the terminology kind of threw me because I used to be on a lake and we skied on a lake that was 26 miles long, six, seven miles wide. And here we are on a sea of Galilee. And Hezi, our guide says, now you're on the Sea of Galilee. It is 16 miles long and four miles wide. And in my mind, I went, man, this is a pond. This is not a lake. This is not a, a sea. This is a sea. I asked him, I said, Hezzy, I'm confused here. The Bible says that a storm blew up and that it was a raging sea and all of this. And the disciples were all bent out of shape and all this. And he let me kind of go through my thing. And he says, oh, no. He said, you don't understand. You don't understand. He said, see that little crevice in the hill over there beyond Gadara? He said, there is an east wind that comes over that hill. He said, now look up there at, the, at, at Capernaum up there, the, the hill of the Beatitudes. You see how there's a V-shape there? The north wind can come over that hill. He said, and when it comes over the hill with no warning, that wind comes over and slams into the side of this sea. And all of a sudden, there are six-foot waves on this little pond of water we're looking at. Now, put that with that 15-foot boat those disciples were riding on, and suddenly I have a better understanding of why they were a little bit upset. They were worried for their life. They were out on that sea. It Bible says he commanded, he stood and commanded and raises the stormy wind. It's flowing out there and there's big waves, but they mount up to heaven. They go down again in the depths and their souls melted because of the trouble. 
They lost all their vigor. Their swagger was gone. All of a sudden, they were not too sure about what was going to happen. It says they reel to and fro and they stagger at their wits' end. And that just means in Hebrew that all of their wisdom was swallowed up. There was no explaining what was going on. They didn't understand it. How could this happen? It's all gone. It says they began to cry out to the Lord. Now, let me just say this. Storms and tempests are going to rise. And you don't ever see it coming. Just a few months ago, just a little less than a year ago, I believe it was, uh, Jason and Monica Matthews, who you probably know from the Wheelbanks, are traveling. And uh, all of a sudden, one night in the middle of the night, we get texts and phone calls that suddenly something has happened. They had come home. They had finally, after 20 years on the road evangelizing and singing, writing songs, finally, they had gotten a home. Wow, it was so nice. It even had a studio attached to it. And Jason's an engineer and helps. And so it, this was going to be beautiful. They were going to be able to help the kingdom and help other artists and all that business. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, they wake up and she hears the crackling of fire. They don't know how it started, but somewhere over the garage, a fire began to, to burn. And all of a sudden, they gathered just there was a couple of things right next to them, didn't even get anything really of substantial uh, meaning. And they ran out of the house. And brother and sister Wilbanks were parked in their motorhome right next door. And they went banging on the door and they got them out of there. And before it was all over, the house had burned to the ground. But through all of that, they got to minister to the owner of the house. The, the deal hadn't gone through yet. And so for the last year, they've been ministering to the owner of the house. And God's going to bring this thing around to where the, the house now will be worth less. They'll buy it for less. He's caused a blessing to come out of what seemed like a devastating fire. Can I just tell you, you don't really know what God's doing in your situation. And sometimes he allows things we want him to make pass by. But God says, no, I'm going to walk you through the storm because there's a purpose in the storm. There's a reason for the storm. You've got to be tough enough to face into the wind and just keep going. Matthew 8, 24 says it this way. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea. And he saith unto them, why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. Now, I don't know if you ever questioned anything. Listen to this right here. He stood. He spoke. The winds and the sea calmed down. If you ever needed a reason to believe that Jesus was God, that's it right there. Because I, I don't know, Brother Keller, I couldn't have done that. I couldn't have stood on the bow of that ship and commanded anything. But Jesus Christ stood up and spoke, and the elements responded to him. That lets me know he is God. He's one and the same. He has the power, and when we call on his name, things begin to change. And this portion finishes up in Psalm 107, verse 8. It says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. Winds blow and they threaten. But it's okay because we were built for this. You just got to face into the wind. You got to let the enemy know, look, I was built for this. I was built for this because I got the Holy Ghost. It's on my side. Many years ago, I was in college and uh, a man in the church really blessed me, helped me, and I was working two or three jobs and commuting 42 miles one way every day to college and back, and then working all these jobs and everything. He came to me. He said, what are you doing this summer? I said, man, I'm just working, trying to make ends meet. He says, well, come to work for me. He said, I, I believe the Lord set this up, and he put something in my heart, and he wanted me to become an engineer, commercial engineer. 
Well, I'd always liked architecture. At one point, wanted to be an architect, so it kind of played right in to uh, my natural desires. And, and I said, sure, that'd be great. And he taught me over the course of a couple of summers how to be a commercial engineer. And I ended up with a crew, and we built high-rise buildings in Dallas, Texas for several years. And I learned a few things along the way. Uh, one was if you stand at a building's edge, now you would think it's full of holes. There's no windows or anything, and yet, yet the wind would go right through, but that's not true. There's a thing called thermal lift. And the winds will blow, and they come out of the west, and they charge across. But when there's a structure in the way, the wind has to go somewhere, and so it hits that building and shoots straight up. I remember many times guys would walk over and look over the edge to holler down or whatever, and as soon as they looked over, the wind would blow up and just blow their, their helmet off. I mean, that's just what it does, thermal lift. So I say all that to say this. There is a thing called a vortex. And uh, when we had general conference in uh, Phoenix, Arizona several years ago, one afternoon I had some time, so I drove up to Sedona because I'd heard about this thing of the vortex and how that the healing properties of this wind, wind is a strange thing. It makes us think strange things. And so I went to Sedona specifically to climb some of these vortexes because I wanted to find out for myself what the mystics say. If you go out there, the mystics will tell you, oh, if you can just get your sick and afflicted in the vortex, the healing power of the vortex will bring healing to their bodies. Now, that sounds crazy on the surface. It sounds like, mm, well, I had the same feeling, and so that's why I wanted to climb. And so I went out, and one of the most uh, prevalent one is called Cathedral Rock. It's got two big pointed spires that go up on either side, and there's a bridge between the two. And so I began to climb, and as I did, sure enough, there were people hauling people on their back. They're elderly, they're sick, they're afflicted, putting them, trying to get them up there because they believed if they could get them into the vortex that something would happen, something mystical would happen, healing would happen. And we got up there, finally to the top on the bridge, and I noticed there was a college group over here with their professor and a college group over here and other people trying to get up. But something happened. As I was standing there, all of a sudden, they started gathering up their things and leaving. And I really couldn't see because I was looking one direction. And when I turned, I saw what was happening. I looked across the valley floor. Now, in Sedona, there are more lightning strikes than anywhere else in the USA. And I looked across, and the fingers of that lightning were shh striking the ground and the big thunderhead was moving right toward us and all the people began to to gather their stuff up head for the trail heading down and um i'm a little nuts and so i decided well let's just stay here and see what happens and i looked across the bridge and there was one tree about that big around i thought that's a pretty good sized tree and i went over next to that tree and sure enough the thunderhead starts moving toward us and lightning is striking and it's a beautiful thing and i'm thinking god how majestic you are that you control all of this how powerful is that and all of a sudden it began to rain and i thought i'm gonna stay here just a little bit longer and all of a sudden i, I stepped away from the tree and when i stepped away from the tree there it was the vortex the thing that had magical powers was coming here it is and all of a sudden the wind hit and pushed me back up against that tree and I just used that tree as a rock and I stood up against it and began to think God you're so powerful and you're so great and you're so wonderful how majestic is this and I'm watching the lightning strikes and I'm watching the rain and the winds pushing me up against the tree and all of a sudden the realization hits me this is just a thermal lift 
There's nothing magical about this. There's no healing power in this. It's just wind that has to go somewhere. It came across the valley floor. It rose up the hill, and now it's shooting straight up here. What I'm trying to say, the wind is not nearly as scary as we think it is sometimes. It's all coming from the hand and the power of God. What we need to worry about is not the wind, but the power behind the wind. As long as Jesus Christ is in the storm, he's going to carry you through. There is no mysticism or magic about the wind. It's about the power of God. The power of God. We're afraid of the wind sometimes, and it does get bad. We know that the storms blow into Florida. We know it can do a lot of damage and all of that. But we also know the hand of God will take us through those storms. I mean, what would we do without wind? Airplanes take off into the wind. They couldn't take off without the wind. We see birds. We see the hawks, the beautiful hawks, as they, they float in the air. They find that thermal lift, and it raises them up high enough to where they can look down and find prey and then go into that spiral dive down to get their prey. They couldn't do that without the wind. And it's the nature of a child when thunder and lightning come to cry out for a parent. We don't need to get confused, though. Don't get confused. Because we, we buy into Ephesians 4 and 14 that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine. Now that is true. We don't want to do that. We don't want to believe just everything that comes along. But we cannot get so cerebral with all of this that we forget in the text that we read, it says they cried out to the Lord. Why is it that in our cerebral mentality we try to think it through, work it out, fix it ourselves when our first response ought to be cry out to the Lord? That's what we were doing right down here while I go. That's what we ought to be doing first, not trying to figure it out. Oh, the wind's going to come, but you're not going to know where it comes from or where it goes, but God does. So why don't we cry out like the child and say, God, I need you right now in the midst of my circumstance, in the midst of my situation. God, step in, step in, step in. Isaiah 50 and 7 says, for the Lord God will help me. Therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. Let me just tell you, the righteous cause of Christ is always going to outlive. It's going to outlast the opposition. And every wind that blows, I just want to say, if you've been blood-bought, buried in the name of Jesus Christ, filled with his spirit, you're built for this. You're built for this storm. You're built for whatever comes. It's a powerful thing. We need to take a lesson from that praying manis. We need to bow up in the face of the wind. Sure, the economy is crazy right now, and it may not get better before it gets worse. But we just need to face into the wind. It's all right. Sickness is going to come and may try to destroy our body. We just need to face into the wind and trust God. Put our faith, hope, and trust in God. Jobs are going to come and they're going to go. Bankruptcies. I, I know uh, several people that have lost everything in the midst of COVID in the last two years. But you know what? Several of them have already come back and said, but God has blessed me with a greater job and a greater situation. Many who lost their jobs, their businesses have now created new businesses where God will take them even farther. I'm just telling you, you need to bow up and face into the wind and inch your way just like that praying madness. I've built for this. It's an attitude. It's right here. It's right here in our minds. I was built for this. Psalm 62 and 2 says, Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for thou hast been a shelter for me, a strong tower from my enemy. A 
There's another verse in Psalm 20 and 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. We need to find something greater to hide behind. Now, as I was watching the praying menace, he did something else that I thought was pretty interesting. When we got on the interstate doing about 65, 70 miles an hour, when he turned sideways, he didn't just stay where he was. He inched forward right up behind the rearview mirror and let the rearview mirror take the brunt of it. Can I tell somebody today? You were built for this. You're aerodynamically, in a spiritual sense, built for this. What we need to do is climb up behind something greater. That something greater is the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to say, nope, not today. Not in my world, not today. Today, I'm hiding behind the rock that cannot be shaken. Today, I'm standing on the rock. I'm hiding in the cleft of rock. God, I put myself in your hands. Lead me and guide me through the storm. Hallelujah. Powerful thing, nature, and what nature knows, and sometimes we gloss right over. This summer we were out in Yellowstone. Macy was with us. We took her through Yellowstone, and and we had the opportunity to see uh, some bison. My wife really wanted to see bison, and so we kept looking and kept looking, and we, we couldn't find them. We were just looking all over. We, we finally did see some things. We saw those geothermal pools, you know, they're beautiful and colorful. And it's really astounding to, to know these things are boiling at 215 degrees and they're going down to the earth somehow. And I don't get it. I'm not a geologist, but it's kind of breathtaking when you watch it and think about it. And we went around to Old Faithful, you know, want to see Old Faithful. And, and we were sitting on a bench talking to a young couple. And it was really kind of a powerful moment because this young lady, she really seemed to know a lot about all of this, you know. And she was telling us all about it. And we were all good until she looked at my wife and she said, oh, yeah, this is wonderful. Here you see all these, these, uh, these geysers coming up. You know, not just Old Faithful, but there's, around Old Faithful, there's a dozen or so of them. And they're just shooting off all the time, you know. And she said, yeah, this is really beautiful and it's really powerful. You know, you're sitting on the largest volcano in the Western world. At which point my wife froze. She looked at me. She looked back at her. She says, are you telling me? She said, oh, yeah, this is the largest volcano in, in the Western world over here. You know, it hadn't erupted for 700 million years, but it's due. Well, thank you for that, lady. We were enjoying our little vacation here, but I think we'll head for the exit. So we did manage to wait for Old Faithful, and then we went hunting bison. I asked the lady in the store, where do we find the bison? She said, oh, you've got to go to Lamar Valley today to see the bison. So we began driving. If you'll show that first picture. Now I mentioned I'm a little crazy. We're driving along the road and there weren't too many people there. And this lone bison was standing there just by the road. Yeah. I couldn't just pass by. And so I stopped the car and my wife said, oh no, you're not. And I said, but babe, I don't know if I'll ever be this close to a bison again. And so I stopped, half on, half off the road. I got my camera. I got out of the car. I walked across the street, stood on the edge of the pavement, and I was about maybe 12 feet from this dude thinking, I hope you don't get angry because they told us not to do this. 
and his tail was swinging, you know, and I thought, well, as long as that tail's swinging, he's eating, I'm probably okay, you know, and so I'm just here, click, 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 taking pictures and everything, and I'll go to the second picture, all of a sudden, look at that, look at that, is that an awesome beast or what? So this, this, this buffalo turned and he went, <laughs> see ya, <laughs> thank you for the pic, got back in the car and we went on. And then we got to the herd. Now, that's where we are right here. I'm telling you where that hillside was covered with buffalo. Look at that. That's an awesome beast. But there were dozens and dozens, maybe two or 300 buffalo. And all of a sudden, go to the next picture. Yeah. They came right at us. And all the cars stopped. Just look at how he's built. Look at that. His head is massive. I mean, their head is that big around. The shoulders, the way he's built. It's awesome. It's terrifying, but wonderful to look at. And he went on by. Now, here's the thing. I got enamored with this whole idea of the bison. And I, I saw a book in one of the stores there that I got. It's by Steve Ranella. It's called The American Buffalo in Search of a Lost Icon. Now, the interesting thing is the juxtaposition between this animal and his cousin, the cow or the bovine. Here's the difference between the two. Part of it is uh, the way they're built. The bison's free to roam. The cow is more domesticated. And it's one of the fascinating characteristics of the bison. And we take two animals like this from the same biological subspecies, two totally different reactions to a situation. Here's what I learned about them. The cows, you know, first of all, the wind is going to come out of the west. It's going to come out of the west. That's the way our jet stream works in most of the U.S. It comes out of the west and flows northeast and comes across. So they know that it's coming out of the west. And, and so what cows do with the very nature uh, of the things is cows sense a storm is coming from the west and they start going east, heading for the barns. Now, we know that cows are rather slow methodical they just move slow and they start heading for the barn but here's the problem with that little theory you think you're headed for cover but what you're doing is you're lengthening the the abuse you're going to take from that storm because you're running from it and the storm is chasing you so every step you take you're getting pounded by the storm by running from the storm and the cows are taking a pelting because they keep running from the storm. They're just heading for the barn. If I can just get to the barn. But the entire journey to the barn, the storm is pelting them and pummeling them and just pounding on them. Unlike their cousin, the bison, the bison sees a storm coming. And all of these people who study such things says when the storm rises and it clears the, the ridge, when the storm clears the ridge, you can look at the herd, the entire herd of bison will turn toward that storm and say, I was built for this. I was built for this. Look at those shoulders. Look at that head. Look at that. They say the storm's coming, but I was built for this. And they head right into the storm because they know if I get through it quicker, if I trust my instincts, I will get through this quicker. I want to tell somebody today, you need to stand on the word of God. You need to stand on what is true, and God is on your side. You need to stand. Come on, stand right now. You need to stand right now and claim victory over your situation. God, I know you're with me. I know you cannot fail. I know if I put my hope and trust in you that everything will be all right. So what I want you to do as the praise team comes, what I want you to do is right now, 
now. I want you to think about the greatest situation in your life, whether it's a physical or financial or whatever it is. I want you to think of what it is that the storm is rising in your life. And I'm just telling you that that storm may have cleared the ridge and it's coming right at you. But today, if you will face into that storm and say, God, I'm putting you in charge. I'm running toward this. I'm not running from it. I'm claiming victory right now. It will shorten the time of the storm because God is on your side. God is on your side. I want you to lift your hands, close your eyes right now, and I want you to take that one thing that's been wearying you, that one thing that's been pummeling you, and I want you to say, I was built for this. I was built for this. The power of the Holy Ghost is on me. I've been baptized in Jesus' name. I've been blood-bought, and his blood is covering over me, and the power of the anointing of God is on me, and I'm refusing to be buffeted by the storm. I will take it in a short fashion because the Holy Ghost is going to carry me. The Holy Ghost is going to carry me. I know we had a great prayer time a while ago, and I believe the, uh, God moved in here. I believe things were accomplished, but I just wonder. Now, here's what I want to tell you. Here's what I want to tell you. You've got to be bold like that buffalo. You've got to be bold like that buffalo. And this is not a time for anybody to say, well, I would come forward, but you know what? If I go forward, people might think, how bad do you want your situation to go away? Bartimaeus would still be blind if he listened to that kind of thinking. But he said, no, thou son of David, I may have one chance. I need help right now. Somebody needs to cry out to the Lord and say, I'm going through this because I was built for it. I'm going through this because I was built for it. You say, well, you don't understand. Somebody said something to me a while back and it hurt my feelings. Uh, I'd go down there, but you know what? Somebody didn't speak to me or they did this to me. I've got to tell you, you, got, you cannot care about all that stuff. you got to let that stuff go. If you really want a healing, if you really want a situation to change, none of that should matter. Well, if I went down there, people may think, no, it doesn't matter. Pride can't be a factor either. I'm asking somebody today, do you really want to get through your storm? If you want to get through your storm, face into the wind and say, I'm trusting in you, God. Now I ask you, are you willing to bring that down here today and say, God, I'll march through any storm as long as you march with me. As long as you march with me, God. But let me just tell you something. There's not a weapon that's ever been formed that can stand against the power of God. There's not a weapon that's ever been formed that can take the power away from what he wants to do in your life today. God is standing on the portals of heaven saying, I'm just waiting for you to ask me into your situation. I'm waiting for you to ask me into your situation. Hallelujah. Close your eyes. Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. Do I really want God to help me today? Because there's not a weapon that's been formed that's going to prosper. Darkness is going to fall. It's going to fall. But darkness is not going to prevail. And here's the thing. We've got a God that only knows how to bring victory. You've got to trust in him and you've got to bring it and put it in his hands. So we're going to open up the altar right now. you got a need. I'm asking you, are you bold enough to face into the wind and say, I was built for this. I was built for this. With God's help, I can go through anything. And that concludes this podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. And for those of you on iTunes, leave us a good rating. Thank you for listening to the NLCC Lancaster Podcast.